So a quick announcement about what the next... I can tell you right now what the next 10 episodes of Patreon will be. Yes. If you are going to sign up for our Patreon, every level gets a bonus episode. Yes, that is correct. And the bonus episodes are going to be... All hairspray. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, they're going to be our top five movies each. Yep. So... Two Drink Cinemas top, top 10, 10 movies. movies. So we've realised this many episodes in that we haven't reviewed any of our favourites yet. So we're going to review them for bonus episodes on the Patreon. Yeah. And the first one's going to be... Hairspray. So, listeners, jump onto our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash two drink cinema, if you want to get our bonus episodes and hear our reviews of our favourites. Yes. Two drinks in a mug. Jeez. Welcome to another okay, episode. Okay, so that was Blues Brothers. <laughs> Two Drink Cinema. If you recognise that that was Blues Brothers, uh, then well done to it you. Is, it is not our new theme music. No, it's good though. Like if we it's weren't good. doing a movie podcast and I could <laughs> afford to buy the rights for that, yeah, then it's very good theme music. It's a very good way of introducing people onto the stage. And if you've seen Blues Brothers before, you will have seen them run out onto stage. Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi Belushi in 1980. Pour one out for John Belushi. Directed by, well, I think John, uh, I think if John Belushi had poured a few more out, he might still be around. John Landis directed the movie based on sketches that Aykroyd and Belushi came up with for Saturday Night Live. Yes. They wanted to make a movie out of it, and Universal was the company that won the bidding war. Yep. For a movie that ended up being the one of the most expensive comedies mm. ever made. And that is because, from when I remember, is yep. the car chase. Car chases. Yes. So it still Plural. it still holds the record for the most number of cars destroyed in a car chase mm-hmm. because now they're all CGI. They don't destroy real cars yeah, anymore. Yeah, they don't get real old police cars yep. and destroy and them by them driving the them off of a, Chicago. or driving them through a shopping mall. Yeah. There was a real shopping mall that was just abandoned. Oh, well, thank, thankfully it was yep. abandoned. Well, it was after that anyway. Because that might have been... Now it's haunted f- with all the dead bodies. That's why the film cost almost twice as much as it should have cost to make. The original budget was $17.5 million. It cost $30 million to make, which is a big budget for any movie. Yeah, especially like a comedy movie. Yeah, especially like a two-hour SNL sketch movie. Yeah. Uh, and it took $100 million worldwide at the box office. Pretty good. So as well as the car chase, uh, yeah. it was incredibly delayed mm-hmm. for a few reasons. One, Dan Aykroyd had never written a movie script before. I yeah, I remember when he first wrote it. It was it was way too long. It was shit. 
apparently he, one of the gags was that he wrote it and it was really long, so he put the color. He put um the cover as yellow pages. <laughs> um, now kids, those and listening out there, the yellow pages is Used a to have directory. Every single person's <laughs> name and number listed in it, so you can imagine how long the yellow pages are. But they did come in handy. I remember when we started learning the piano, we couldn't reach the keys. So we would sit on the oh, yellow pages. On the yellow pa- and yeah. I used to sit on the yellow pages every time I went to the hairdresser because I was too little. <laughs> oh, one about yellow pages. Right. One year, the Boxing Day test at the MCG for the cricket. Oh, yes. Good they story. Could, they could... So we I was like, to go, you're going off topic. It better be good. Yeah, this yeah. is funny. We um, used to always go as kids, but then Brett and I grew Cricket's up boring. and got, got bored of a day of cricket where nothing happens. We weren't old enough to drink in the members then either. Yeah. So we stopped going and we made a movie tradition. But yes. dad and the middle brother kept going as their tradition. Then my husband joined that tradition. Grandpa went quite a few times with dad as well. But then one year they could, it was the Ashes. They could only yeah. get standing room tickets. Yeah. So grandpa is not a tall man. No. So dad decided you couldn't just take things in for people to stand in. So no, Dad got some him... Christmas wrapping yeah. paper and wrapped up the yellow pages. <laughs> and then as he's walking through and they're checking the bags, he's like, oh, no, I didn't see my dad on Christmas Day, so I'm giving him his Christmas present today. They got in, sat it down. Grandpa, Grandpa stood on the, stood yellow, on the yellow pages, pages for got, five days. And got to see the ashes. There you go. Um, I don't know if that would work these days. I reckon it would. Yeah, probably would. In Australia. They don't really... I haven't been outside for a while, but they don't really do the... The last time I went to the footy it was 84 <laughs> years ago. Outside. <laughs> it, they don't... You know, they do the whole like... Wanding. Check your bag and wanding to see if you've got any knives yeah, on you. Yeah. Um, they, don't, they don't really do it that well. This is how badly they do do it, right? I have one backpack. That I use for everything. Yeah. This yeah, one here. Yeah. That I carry the sound gear to in your house. And I took it on a picnic. Yeah. Pre-Christmas. Yes. So had the picnic stuff in it, food and, you know, forks and knives in it. Then unpacked it, put the stuff in to take to the footy or the cricket. Mm, probably the footy. But then the as tennis. I was leaving the cricket or the tennis or the footy the stadium sport I went to. And then I was unpacking at the end of the day. I realized that I left one of the knives from the picnic in my backpack. They just feel the thing go, any, any cans or glass? No, but I've got a knife. It's mine. What it was, was, so I had the picnic, right? Yeah. Left the knife in accidentally, took it to the stadium. They didn't realize that I had a knife. Mm. I didn't realize until I tried to fly somewhere at Easter Oh, no. And put it through the metal detector. And the guy goes, you've got two steak knives in your bag. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh. oh. I just took those into the MCG Because my thing ago. is like, because when I go to the footy, sometimes I have a scarf. Yeah. Which has a lot of players' badges and stuff on yes, it. Yes, yes. And they're just like, wipe with your metal detector thing. I'm like, beep, beep, beep. It's the badges. It's the badges. Right, fine. Yeah, it's not There's, the knives yeah, I've got it's not in the, the back yeah. of the scarf. Anyway. Dan Aykroyd wrote the script. It was long and not a very movie script. No. So John Landis, the director, rewrote it. That was delay number one. Delay number two was the amount of cocaine John Belushi did, <laughs> which meant that he either missed the, he either missed the call in the morning or missed the scene that he was meant to be filming. <laughs> it was 
The Then there was the blowout of Dan Aykroyd insisting that Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, James Brown, and yes. Cab Calloway were all in the movie. So he wrote it and he wanted all this start, the old, because it's about old blues music and yep. rhythm and blues music. Um, so he wanted all old rhythm and blues and gospel kind and of stars wrote, in it. He wrote them into little speaking parts so that yep. they could then have a song. And you yep. know, Aretha is the wife of the saxophone player who then sings Guitar. Think. Whatever. Sax. Yeah. Oh, guitar and sax work in her soul food kitchen. Yeah. He's the guitarist. He's, she's married chicken. to the guitarist. Yeah. Then there's the saxophonist there and as he well. He needs to do some thinking. Ray Charles sends, uh, sells them the gear. Yep. James Brown is in the church where he sees the light. Well, Cab Calloway is the janitor or whatever at he, the He's at the orphanage, orphanage at the start. Who is the one that introduced the Blues Brothers to Blues. To blues. Um,. But yeah, then the studio or whoever was making it or whatever wanted them to be younger, like more current stars yeah, well, instead of the older Shake Your Tail Feather by Ray Charles was the most recent of any of those hits. Yeah, but they originally wanted it to be Shake Your Tail Feather by Hall & Oates. So um <laughs> doesn't quite have the same well, ring. One of the ones that the Hall studio wanted to get in was Rose Royce with Car Wash. Oh. Can you, like, Ro- Rose Royce. Would they have had to put in a whole scene where they get the blues car washed? That that's, would have worked. That actually does make that sense. That would have worked. But I would have allowed that. Rose Royce, who's she? She like, had she's not car wash. She's not Aretha Franklin. No, she, nobody so, is. So we're very glad all of these. Um, and that's what that's kind of made it that they like it. A, more of a cult thing. That it's yeah. got these old stars yeah. in it. If it did have Rolls Royce and whatever a stupid name is, is the name really Roll, Rose Royce? Rose Royce. Or did she have a song named Car Wash and make, I sound like a car. I may as well make a song about cars. Oh, Ro- Rose Royce is the name of the group. Oh, it's not a person. Rose Royce is an American soul and R&B group. Oh. They are best known for several, hit, several apparently, hit mm-hmm. singles during the 70s, including Car Wash and I Want to Get Next to You. Which I don't know. Never heard of them. The singer is Gwen Dickey. Oh, right, Gwen yep. Dickey. Well, maybe I, if my name was Gwen Dickey, I might actually change it to, change Rose, it to Royce. Rose Royce. So yeah, we do get these uh, incredible musicians. We get "Shake Your Tail Feather." We get "Think." We get the song in the church by James Brown that I can't remember the name of. I, from memory, I can't really even remember what the lyrics are. Anyway. <laughs> Down in the house of the Lord, yeah, something yeah. like that. Gospel, just sing something that sounds gospel. That's the song, and the Minnie the Moocher, yeah, from Cab, Cab Calloway, Calloway uh, which is great song. We did it in big band at school. Yeah, always did. a winner. I've recorded it on a CD. Oh, yeah, kids, <laughs> kids, <laughs> CDs are <laughs> in between yellow pages. Um, but then the backing band, like this, would have cost some money as well. Mm. Like there, there are a couple of the guys in the Blues Brothers backing band who were the band for the Stax label, which was the more soulful um, label in the 60s. Right. Along with Motown. So Motown was the label that was trying really hard to get onto the pop charts. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Stax was a little bit more soul. That's what Dreamgirls taught me, yeah. Yeah. So... Motown had... Um, 
the Aretha Jacksons. and the Jacksons and the Supremes. Yeah, Diana and Ross Eddie Murphy. and the Jacksons and Eddie Murphy. Yeah. yeah. And then Stax had Aretha and Ray and James Brown. Oh, yes, yes, and yes, that, yes. And that kind of stuff. So um, Steve Cropper and Donald Duck Dunn were the Stax record house band. And so they were half and of Booker T and the, the MGs. Oh, Booker T and the yeah. MGs. And the MGs. Then... Lou Marini, Tom Malone, Alan Rubin, uh, the Horn players were in Blood, Sweat and Tears. They're that band oh. that have the record of the big them and the midget them. Oh, no, don't talk about it. <laughs> don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. It's not midget. They're puppets. Okay, backstory. Quick backstory. Yeah. Our parents have records. Now, kids, I'm not explaining what a record is. Don't worry yep. about it. Um, and the covers, one cover is creepy and it's all the members of the band... And they have sitting on their lap a puppet version of them. Is it a puppet? I'm pretty sure they're puppet, like ventriloquist dummies. Because like sitting on their lap. Oh, yeah, they are. I was... No, no. They're miniaturized pictures of them. We're going to have to share that on the socials. Look, they're miniaturized pictures of them. I don't want to look. Okay. You're going to have... I'm going to have return to Oz style wheelies nightmares. (laughs) Or as we talked about... The other week, the sleep paralysis. Oh, that might be a sleep they're paralysis. Sleep paralysis demons. <laughs> um, so yeah, like proper proper musicians. Willie Hall played with Isaac Hayes. Um, Matt Guitar Murphy has played blues forever before this. Um, Paul Schaefer from the SNL band, oh. who then went on to be the David Letterman. Oh, of course, band yeah, leader, yeah, yeah. Um, was meant to be part of it, but contracts with SNL right. clashed. Um, then there's so many like star cameos. Oh, I don't remember. So, like remembering, obviously Aretha Ray, James Brown, Twiggy, are the big ones. Twiggy, she when at the petrol station scene. That's Twiggy. I never remember a petrol station the, scene. The model. You'll remember it. Steven Spielberg. I'm reading this. Steven Spielberg? Steven Spielberg as the Cook County Assessor's Clerk. I think that's at the end. I don't remember John that Landis, all. the director, is in it as a state trooper. Paul Rubens, before he became Pee Wee Herman, is the waiter in the uh-huh. fancy French oh, restaurant. Oh, God. Are we watching the same movie? I do not remember any of Shaka this. Khan is in the choir in the church. Frank Oz is in the Frank prison. Frank Oz? Yep. Muppet Puppeteer. Oh, is he the and uh, the one that gives him his stuff at the start? Could be. Um, yeah, he's Yoda as well. Um, and then just more, just like all a whole lot of little people. Uh, and then crashing cars, heaps of extras, and just blew the budget completely. I. When I think of Blues Brothers, all I remember is the music. Yeah. And then in between, like, when they go to the nun, which she's hilariously freaky. And freaky, yeah. Um, when she goes back from the door. That's yeah. what I remember about the nun. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's all I really think of. It's, that's the majority of the movie, and that's what makes the movie good. As much as it is a cult movie, it kind of goes against our last cult movie, Rocky Horror, because most people liked it when it came out. Yeah, and it's not like an un, like it's not like a non mainstream thing. Yeah, like although it, like you can think how it could have been because in 1980, the, and the studio was right. Aretha Franklin was a little bit past it in terms of. 
her the height of her popular, career. popularity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was that weird in between respect and sisters are doing it for themselves. Yeah, it was before George Michael relaunched her career Don't, for her. That's not right. <laughs> um, it was mostly positive reviews, but like uh, like Rocky Horror, our last cult. Yeah. Has gotten late night screenings and audiences participating yes. now. Carrie Fisher's in it. Did you know that? No. She's the. Have I seen this movie she's, before? She's the one that tries to kill them. She was dating Dan oh, Aykroyd at the time. Oh, right. I remember. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And probably did almost as much co- cocaine as Belushi. Mm, well. But on Empire Magazine's top 50 comedies of all time list, it comes in at number 20. Which is pretty good. It's above halfway. It's, oh, comedies. Oh, thank God. Not films of all oh, time. Oh, Jesus. No, no. <laughs> it comes in top uh, 20 of Empire's list of top 50 yeah. comedies of all time. So it's a good one. Another thing that delayed production was, I read a little tidbit. Mm. Um, there was a thing and they were starting to get ready to record. And they're out in Chicago on on scene. On location. Location. <laughs> On scene. Um, and they were like, where's John Belushi? Where's John Belushi? And they couldn't find him, couldn't find him. And then um, there was this house that saw with the light on. And so Dan Aykroyd went over and he was like, I've got to go over and say, I'm Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, yeah. We're making a movie. Is John Belushi here? <laughs> um, and then he knocked on the door and the door answered, <laughs> answered the door. <laughs> woman just goes, you're here for John Belushi, aren't you? <laughs> and then he was just in there because he knocked in the door and... Went in because he just wanted a, some milk and a sandwich. Yeah. Well, that appara- is not code for crack. <laughs> well, apparently because he was doing that much cocaine in the 80s, but also like he would go out to the bars around Chicago. Yeah. And everybody wanted to have a drink and a line with, yeah, with, with John, John Belushi. Belushi. So it was just it was like the biggest, one of the biggest of stars. But it's the thing, it's like... You know it's an 80s movie when they've put in the cost of cocaine into the budget of the movie. Into the budget. It was apparently did that now. built Gosh. in. It's, oh, it probably is. Yeah, it probably is. It's People probably in doing, someone's rider. People are doing more cocaine now than they were in the 80s. Let me that. tell you. Uh, that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> on that <laughs> note. Before I say anything more, <laughs> allegedly. I'll put on allegedly, allegedly under all of that. Thank you, brother. Thank you. We will be back with our full review of the Blues Brothers on Tuesday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Two Drink Cinema. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Please share with a friend and leave a rating and review. It goes a long way to help us reach a bigger audience. This show is produced by Odd Sox Entertainment. For more of Odd Sox Entertainment's work, including the show notes for this episode, follow the link in this episode description. Follow us on all your social platforms and join our Facebook group to connect with us. Thanks for listening. Happy watching and drink responsibly. Cheese. <laughs>